0: Hello, and welcome to this ePulmonology Review podcast. I'm Bob Busker, Managing Editor of ePulmonology Review. We're here today with Dr. Michelle Eakin, Associate Professor in the Division of Pulmonology and Critical Care Medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine to follow up on a recent newsletter issue on increasing medication adherence among patients with COPD. ePulmonology Review is jointly presented by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. This program is supported by educational grants from McTallion Pharmaceuticals, U.S. Incorporated, and Synovian Pharmaceuticals. Learning objectives for this audio program include recognize the high prevalence of medication non-adherence and its negative impact on clinical outcomes in patients with COPD, identify patient risk factors that are associated with poor medication use in COPD, and describe efficacious interventions to support medication adherence. Dr. Eakin has indicated that she has no financial interests or relationships with any commercial entity whose products or services are relevant to the content of this presentation. She has also indicated that there will be no references to unlabeled or unapproved uses of drugs or products in today's discussion. Dr. Eakin, thank you for joining us today.
1: Glad to be here. Thank you.
0: In your newsletter issue, Doctor, you reviewed the recent findings about patients' non-adherence to their COPD medications why non-adherence is so high, its impact on clinical outcomes, some of the reasons why patients become non-adherent, and some of the things clinicians can do about it. What I'd like to focus on today is how this new information can be translated into clinical practice. So start us out, if you would please, Dr. Eakin, with a patient scenario.
1: Great. Thank you, Bob. The first patient we have is a 62-year-old male who is a current smoker who's been diagnosed with COPD. His lung function, as measured by FEV1% predicted of normal, is about 52%, followed by his primary care provider, and he's currently been prescribed albuterol as needed, teotropium, respimat 2.5, two actuations once a day. He was recently hospitalized for a pulmonary exacerbation following an upper respiratory infection and has been discharged home. He lives with his wife and works as a project manager for a construction company. He has two grown children who live near him but are out of the house. This patient has a 50-pack year history of smoking. He continues to smoke but has reported that he's recently cut down to less than five cigarettes a day. During a clinic visit during the medication reconciliation with the medical assistant, he was unable to name his pulmonary medications, did not recall any instructions on how to use them, During the visit, he reported he hasn't refilled his teotropium for several months, and that was confirmed by looking at his refill records, as there hasn't been any refills in the past 12 months.
0: Do you think he's able to self-manage his COPD? What concerns do you have?
1: really have focus around his medication management. As reported, he wasn't able to name his medications or report how he uses his inhalers. He continues to smoke and has a long history of smoking, although he has cut down. And he had a recent pulmonary exacerbation requiring hospitalization, which is a significant risk factor for worse and declining health.
0: And his medication adherence?
1: His medication adherence is a big concern, and it's going to be important to do a thorough assessment of his adherence during the clinic visit.
0: How do you recommend making that assessment of his adherence?
1: We recommend using the rubber mnemonic to support a good medication adherence during a clinic visit. I want to review the steps for the mnemonic so that you can understand each of the pieces you would need to reuse. Using rubber, we would look at R as review the regimen, ask the patient, does he know what medications he's supposed to be on, what was being prescribed by his physician? U, assess the patient's understanding about the medications. What are these medicines for? How do they work? What do we expect the outcomes to be? B, assess barriers to adherence. This is an important one, and you may want to look at cost barriers, social support, other concerns about getting transportation or logistics of getting the medications from the pharmacy or any other barriers that might be preventing his use of these medications. B is assess the beliefs about the medicines. This has been shown time and time again across chronic illnesses, that the patients who believe that the medications are important for them, that the benefit of the medicines outweigh the potential risks such as side effects, are more likely to take the medicines long-term. We can also want to assess concerns about side effects, worries about the medicines long-term use, and understand the patient's risk-benefit ratio for taking these medicines. E, educate the patient. Any concerns or misunderstandings or gaps in knowledge should be addressed. And then finally, the R stands for repeat. Ask the patients to repeat back the instructions to ensure understanding. We hear this often referred to as the tell me back. I like to just say, we covered a lot of information. Can you tell me back exactly what you took from this or you understand what you need to do about taking your medicines?
0: I want to ask you about inhaler technique. How do you address that in a patient like this who's already been prescribed and improperly or not has been using his medication?
1: When we review medication adherence, it is really important to identify and assess inhaler technique. In the newsletter article, we showed that a recent article by Suleiman that was published in 2017 that used electronic monitors to assess not only medication use as well as technique demonstrated that the majority of the patients had poor inhaler technique. If patients don't demonstrate adequate technique, it's important to use an intervention to help them develop those skills. There has been recent studies that have shown a teach-to-goal method is effective in helping patients learn how to use their inhalers appropriately. This method involves demonstrating each step in the inhaler technique administration and then having the patient demonstrate that step back to you. If there's failure when the information is reviewed, you would go through that information over and over as many times until the patient demonstrates effective technique. This method has been shown to be more effective in improving inhaler technique, than traditional teaching methods and is recommended to ensure that the patients have adequate inhaler technique to administer the medications.
0: What about smoking status? Is there a connection between the fact that he still smokes and how he uses his medications?
1: There's recent evidence that shows that patients who currently smoke are more likely to be non-adherent with medications. Some patients who smoke report significant guilt and self-blame for the disease due to their own smoking history, and particularly among those who continue to smoke despite physician recommendations to quit or a diagnosis of COPD, they may feel that the medications aren't going to help them or that they're sort of stuck. In this situation, it's important to continue to offer treatment for smoking cessation to patients with COPD who currently smoke, and to provide support for patients to quit smoking, given that, as we've shown, it is the only disease-modifying treatment available for COPD.
0: Thank you for that case and discussion, doctor. And we'll return with Dr. Michelle Eakin from Johns Hopkins in just a moment. This is Bob Busker, Managing Editor of the Pulmonology Review ePulmonology Review is a combination newsletter and podcast program delivered via email to subscribers. Newsletters are published every other month. Each issue reviews the current literature in areas of importance to clinicians treating patients with pulmonary conditions. In the month following each newsletter, a case-based podcast discussion, like the one you're listening to now, is available to help translate that new clinical information into practice. These podcasts are also available as downloadable transcripts. A subscription to ePulmonology Review is provided without charge or prerequisite. Continuing education credit for each newsletter and each podcast is provided by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. For more information on this educational activity, to subscribe and receive ePulmonology Review without charge, and to access back issues, please go to our website, www.epulmonologyreview.org. Thank you. Welcome back to this ePulmonology Review Podcast. We've been talking with Dr. Michelle Eakin from the Division of Pulmonology and Critical Care Medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine about increasing medication adherence in patients with COPD. So let's continue, if you would please, doctor, with another patient scenario.
1: So our second patient is a 75-year-old female who's been diagnosed with COPD. She has severe COPD with her lung function around 28%, FBV1% predicted for normal values. She has multiple comorbidities. She's been diagnosed with hypertension, major depression, type 2 diabetes, and is followed by her PCP for these comorbid conditions. In the past 12 months, she has had three pulmonary exacerbations requiring oral corticosteroids and antibiotics, with one of those events requiring hospitalization. She's currently prescribed the following pulmonary medications, fluticasone Almeterol Discus 250 one time a day, aclidinium Bromide 400 one dose a day and albuterol as needed. She's also on lisinopril, atorvastatin, metformin, lantus, and fluoxetin for her comorbid conditions. She lives with her daughter. She worked as an administrative assistant for 30 years, but she retired about 10 years ago. She has a 40-pack year history, but has quit smoking approximately 10 years ago and is no longer currently smoking. During her office visit, she's unable to report all of her medications and remarks that she's often on so many pills and medicines, she can't keep them straight. She has difficulty remembering her appointments, has frequent no-shows or reschedules, and she's often confused by instructions and feels a little disorganized.
0: From a COPD self-management perspective, how would you view this patient?
1: So this patient is on what we describe as triple therapy, an inhaled corticosteroid, a long-acting bronchodilator, and a long-acting musculinic to manage her COPD, but she's still having frequent exacerbations. This makes me consider that non-adherence may be contributing to her poor disease management. This patient also has multiple comorbidities and is on multiple medications, which we describe as polypharmacy. These factors have been shown to put patients at high risk for non-adherence. We also want to look at that this patient's lung function is low and she may have difficulty producing a strong enough peak inspiratory flow to administer the viscous medication appropriately. It may be helpful to consider alternative inhaler devices or nebulizers that do not require a strong inspiratory flow for administration. Finally, the patient's confused, disorganized, and has difficulty remembering instructions or her appointment times. This may be evidence of cognitive impairment, which has been shown to be fairly common around patients with COPD. In fact, recent data shows that patients with COPD are at a far times greater risk for cognitive impairment.
0: Cognitive impairment. Uh, Tell us a little more about that, if you would. What impact does cognitive impairment actually have on self-management of COPD?
1: In the newsletter issue, we highlighted a recent article by Suleiman that showed that cognitive impairment was actually the strongest patient predictor of medication non-adherence above and beyond other demographic and disease characteristics. Given that COPD patients are at approximately four times greater risk of cognitive impairment, this could be associated with greater risk of non-adherence. It's recommended that COPD patients be screened for cognitive impairment and referred appropriately.
0: How does non-adherence in COPD compare to non-adherence in other chronic diseases?
1: That's a good question. We do have data that shows that patients with COPD are about 50% likely to be non-adherent. In some studies, those numbers can be as low as 25%. And in the newsletter issue, we showed in the Suleiman's article that only 6% of patients reached an 80% adherence level. These numbers are significantly lower than other chronic conditions. Data has shown when they looked at adherence by pharmacy refill across different comorbid conditions, including cardiology, diabetes, pulmonary conditions often have the lowest adherence. This is often attributed that the majority of pulmonary medications are delivered using inhalers, which can be difficult to use and patients are less likely to use them over time.
0: So a high percentage of all patients with COPD are non-adherent, and among those with cognitive impairment, non-adherence is even higher. What strategies can you recommend to reduce non-adherence in patients who may show cognitive impairment?
1: Overall, patients with cognitive impairment may benefit from compensatory strategies to help manage their medications. It may be important for the patient to meet with a clinical pharmacist to have medication therapy management. This is a program that is paid for by Medicare, and it's when a clinical pharmacist will sit down with the patients and review all of their prescriptions and set up an organization strategy to ensure the patients understand. In this situation with this patient, it may be helpful to ask the patient to bring in her daughter or an alternative caregiver who could help assist with medical care and organizing. Finally, there can be some simple strategies, such as setting up a reminder system. that can be set up with their phone or alarm clock. Overall, it's important to really tailor strategies to the patient and what they have available, but to consider other support personnel, clinical pharmacy, or technology to help the patient remember and organize their medication.
0: This patient you've presented, she's had three exacerbations in the past year, and one of them sent her to the hospital. We know that puts her at a high risk for additional exacerbations. What strategies can you suggest that would be helpful for this patient?
1: So in the newsletter, we showed a recent review of adherence interventions for COPD that was authored by Bryant. This systematic review demonstrated that multimodal interventions that include patient education, pharmacist involvement, phone follow-up, case management by nurses are effective in improving medication adherence and that this improvement in adherence also had improvements in other health outcomes, including reducing utilization, reducing exacerbations, and reducing cost of medical care. So, the interventions that include multidisciplinary teams may be the best options. The review by Van Boven that was also highlighted in the newsletter issue showed that lower adherence is associated with increased mortality, morbidity, and reduced productivity. Therefore, it's important for clinical teams to consider, including a multidisciplinary intervention that includes new nurses and pharmacists, to help implement these interventions for improved health outcomes for these patients.
0: Well, thank you for that case and discussion, Dr. Egan. We've got time for one more patient scenario, so uh, if you would, please.
1: Our last patient is a 67-year-old female with COPD. Her lung function is 64% FEV1% predicted of normal values. She's been diagnosed with panic disorder and major depression and is followed by her primary care provider for those comorbid conditions. In the past 12 months, she's had no pulmonary masturbations. Her current pulmonary medications include ipratropium albuterol respimat, 20 milligrams up to four times a day. She also takes fluoxetine, 20 milligrams once a day, and alprozolam, 5 milligrams as needed. She lives with her husband and has three grown children who live out of state. She recently switched providers and she reported that her old doctor never had time and felt like he was not helpful. When asked about her medications, she said they really don't help her and are expensive, and so she often skips her refills.
0: Out of everything you've presented about this patient, which factors would you think are most likely to impact her ability to self-manage her COPD?
1: There's a lot of factors to consider. She reports non-adherence to medications. It's likely that she skips her medicines frequently. In the newsletter issue, the article by Sessori demonstrated that patients only take about 50% of the medication, and Suleiman showed that only 6% achieve 80% adherence. She also reports a strained relationship with her former physician, and she has a past history of mental illness, including depression and anxiety, which has been shown to be associated with worse morbidity and mortality, and lower adherence in COPD.
0: Her strained relationship with her former physician, what impact might that have on her adherence?
1: So that article by Cesare looked at veterans and enrolled in a randomized clinical trial. She looked at the medication adherence as measured by pharmacy refill data, and she found that patients who trusted their physician and reported that trust were more likely to be adherent to both inhaled corticosteroids and long-acting bronchodilators. We have seen that the trust in the physician is the strongest predictor of adherence in this sample. In addition, an article that was presented by Flatori demonstrated that good patient-provider communication that consists of listening to the patient, attentiveness during office visits, and a feeling of caring was associated with increased patient confidence to manage their illness and take their medications as prescribed.
0: Well, there's another aspect of non-adherence that we haven't focused on yet, and that's the economic impact.
1: In the newsletter article, Van Boven demonstrated that medication non-adherence has a negative impact on health outcomes. He also looked at the impact of adherence on cost, and there is some mixed results for the impact on overall health care cost. Studies have shown that patients who are adherent actually have increased medication costs because they're filling their medicines more frequently. However, they have lower health care costs in the form of lower exacerbations, lower ED visits. And lower number of hospitalizations. In most situations, this increased medication cost actually results in a cost savings overall to insurers for patients who are adherent to their medications. In addition, taking this from a patient's perspective, the cost of medications and copays have been shown to have a significant impact on patients' adherence. Finally, it's important clinically to assess the patient's ability to pay for their medications and to understand the impact that the copays may have as a barrier on medication adherence.
0: What else might be helpful for this patient to improve her adherence and to improve her outcome?
1: This patient has a number of factors going on, including mental health conditions, abilities to pay for her medicines, and a difficult relationship with her previous provider. She may benefit from more counseling around these issues. Recent studies have shown that phone-based counseling, including motivational interviewing, can help reduce healthcare utilization by up to 50%. Patients who report more confidence in their ability to manage their illness have improved moods and improved quality of life that might improve their overall well-being. As hospitals look at reducing COPD readmissions and improving health outcomes, It may be helpful to consider phone follow up interventions that are based on counseling strategies that could help the patients better manage their medications and improve their self efficacy to manage their disease. Furthermore, mental health services should also be considered given our history of depression and anxiety and may be helpful if it's integrated within the specialty care setting so that the patients feel more willing to engage in those types of services.
0: Thank you for today's cases and discussion, Dr. Eakin. Let me ask you to take a moment to look to the future for us, if you would please. What research is still needed to improve medication adherence in COPD?
1: That's a great question. We covered a lot of the current research on medication adherence, including the prevalence and potential interventions available for medication adherence. However, overall, research on medication adherence in COPD lags woefully behind compared to other chronic diseases, even compared to other chronic pulmonary diseases such as asthma. There have been very few randomized clinical trials examining interventions to support medication within this patient population. Given the differences in the unique characteristics of COPD, it's critical to identify interventions that have been tailored and designed specifically to support COPD patients to manage their medications. The unique patient characteristics that have been linked to adherence in COPD, such as smoking history peak inspiratory flow, cognitive impairment, really make a case for why we need specific intervention research on this topic. Furthermore, the advent of technology, including electronic medication monitors, smartphones, telemedicine, may all provide auxiliary support for interventions that support medication adherence. It's critical to evaluate how these technologies can be leveraged to improve patient management of their disease and overall health outcomes.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your insights, doctor. Let's wrap things up now by reviewing today's discussion in light of our learning objectives. So to begin, our first objective, recognize the high prevalence of medication non-adherence and its negative impact on clinical outcomes in patients with COPD.
1: In these case presentations, we really focused on demonstrating that patients frequently are non-adherent with their COPD medications for a variety of reasons. Unfortunately, non-adherence has been shown to be associated with worse health outcomes including higher rates of exacerbations and hospitalizations, and even a greater risk of death. Patients who have a decline in their health may need to have a focused assessment of their medication adherence to better identify if there's a need for further intervention to support self-management.
0: And our second learning objective, patient risk factors that are associated with poor medication use in COPD.
1: As a clinician, it's important to identify what risk factors patients might have that are associated with poor medication use in COPD. The newsletter I issue discussed a number of issues and risk factors for low adherence, and the cases highlighted different things to consider when dealing with the patient clinically who might be at risk for poor adherence. Patients may have difficulty using their inhalers or demonstrating adequate technique, and so it's important to assess inhaler technique and the ability to use the different devices who have mental health issues or cognitive impairment may also be at significant risk for low adherence. Therefore, it's important to assess, identify, and refer as appropriate patients with these conditions for adequate services. Furthermore, the case presentations demonstrated that there are other barriers to medication non-adherence. Issues such as cost of medications and copays, can make it very difficult for patients to adhere to their medications. In addition, you need to consider the patient's understanding and beliefs about the medications and whether they think that they know what they're for and what benefits they might expect, as well as potential side effects.
0: And finally, efficacious interventions to support medication adherence.
1: Given the significant impact of medication non-adherence on clinical outcomes and the high prevalence of non-adherence among patients with COPD, it's critical to identify and implement efficacious interventions to support adherence. We discussed a number of potential interventions for non-adherence, such as using multimodal approaches that incorporate pharmacy and nurse education into clinical care, the use of technology, or even phone support to provide case management and ongoing follow-up for patients. Furthermore, it's important to ensure that there's a strong and positive patient-physician communication so that patients trust their physician and they understand the importance of medications and have the confidence to self-manage their disease. Multidisciplinary teams may be well poised to implement such interventions with multiple components including nurses' education, pharmacy consultation, and social work or psychology to address mental health needs.
0: Dr. Michelle Eakin from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Thank you for participating in this ePulmonology Review podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Bob. It's been a pleasure to discuss these cases and to discuss the importance of medication adherence in COPD.
0: To receive CME credit for this activity, please take the post-test at www.epulmonologyreview.org forward slash test. This podcast is presented in conjunction with the ePulmonology Review Newsletter, a peer-reviewed literature review, certified for CME and CE credit, and emailed monthly to clinicians treating patients with pulmonary conditions. This activity has been planned and implemented in accordance with the accreditation requirements and policies of the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education, ACCME, through the joint providership of the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. The Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine is accredited by the ACCME to provide continuing medical education for physicians. The Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine designates this enduring material for a maximum of 0.5 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. Physicians should claim only the credit commensurate with the extent of their participation in this activity. The Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing is accredited as a provider of continuing nursing education by the American Nurses Credentialing Center's Commission on Accreditation. For nurses, this 0.5 contact hour educational activity is provided by the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. Each podcast carries a maximum of 0.5 contact hour. This educational resource is provided without charge, but registration is required. To register to receive ePulmonology Review via email, please go to our website, www.epulmonologyreview.org. The opinions and recommendations expressed by faculty and other experts whose input is included in this program are their own. This enduring material is produced for educational purposes only. Use of the names of the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing implies review of educational format, design, and approach. Please review the complete prescribing information for specific drugs, combination of drugs, or use of medical equipment, including indication, contraindications, warnings, and adverse effects before administering therapy to patients. E-Pulmonology Review is supported by educational grants from McTelian Pharmaceuticals, U.S. Incorporated, and Synovian Pharmaceuticals. This program is copyright with all rights reserved by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Thank you for listening.